Welcome to Policy for the People, a show that explores the public policies that can lift up all Oregonians. This show is a collaboration between KMUZ Radio and the Oregon Center for Public Policy. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ordonez. This is a special episode of Policy for the People, recorded outside of our regular schedule. And it is an episode made more urgent by the tragic events in Colorado Springs on November 19. Just before midnight, a gunman entered Club Q, an LGBTQ nightclub. He proceeded to kill five people and wound many others before brave patrons subdued him. This horrific event took place just minutes before the start of Transgender Day of Remembrance, a day meant to commemorate transgender people lost to violence over the years. In addition to violence and discrimination, the transgender community also faces a challenge that few others do. The fact that the federal government collects almost no data about the trans community. The absence of reliable data about the realities experienced by the transgender community makes it harder for the community to fight for justice. In the absence of government-collected data about the trans community, one particular resource has helped fill the void. The U.S. Trans Survey the largest community-run survey about the lives and experiences of trans people. I spoke with Seth Johnstone, Transgender Justice Program Manager with Basic Rights Oregon. We talked about the importance of increasing visibility and awareness of the transgender community, as well as the importance of the U.S. Trans Survey, which is taking place right now. Well, hi, Seth. Uh, Welcome to Policy for the People. Thanks so much for having me. So we are recording this show during Trans Awareness Week and just before Trans Day of Remembrance, November 20th. Can you share with us the significance of celebrating these events, why trans visibility and awareness are so important? Absolutely. Um, I think the events are are unique in that they're different um, and they shine light on different aspects and needs of our community. Um, you know, one being us telling the stories of ourselves to the public that we want told, um, rather than folks telling those narratives about us that may hold, you know, societal stigma or assumption. And, you know, that's really what Trans Awareness Week is about, is our visibility and our joy and and our our needs being expressed to the public. And Trans Day of, of Remembrance is really more a moment to hold space for loss and f- to honor the lives that um, have been impacted by discrimination or hatred or violence. And so that's a time for us to come together and and hold space for that, that emotion also. So yeah, I think they're both so important. Um, they have different meanings and different values to all of us. So yeah. So speaking of hate, we know that across much of the country, the trans community is under attack facing increasingly discriminatory state and local legislation. Do you think increased visibility and awareness of the experiences of trans people can help in the fight against these kinds of bigoted attacks and and hatred delivered toward trans people? Absolutely. I mean, to follow on what I kind of initially was saying is that it's important for there to be a diverse narrative that comes directly from the community. Um, We have such diverse experiences of gender within each community member who is trans or gender diverse. um, And there is the importance for, you know, people in in decision making positions to uh, making decisions about, you know, housing or employment or funding that may be available to know what the needs are of this community specifically, because we can't, you know, fight for justice if we don't have 
individuals around us who understand our needs, understand how to support us, understand what basic resources we don't have access to. Um, so it's incredibly important to have increased visibility to just show people what the barriers are of, of being a trans person in society at the current moment. Can you give us an example of the kind of barrier that uh, you have seen? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, chronologically in a lifetime, you know, we have ways that anti-trans stigma gets developed, could be from being pushed out of your own home, um, the hostile political climate. Uh, you could see this in, you know, we see this in school push out where students are discriminated against or harassed or bullied and therefore three times more likely to not attend education spaces. And then, you know, that impacts their ability to gain employment. And so, yeah, you look at the, chrono the chronology of a lifetime, for example, for someone who maybe is gender diverse and, and you'll see the, the pattern that can strike up and, and cause um, financial instability or housing instability and, and higher risk factors for someone. So, yeah, quite a few barriers that one could, could look at. We're taking this short break to ask for your support. If you enjoy this program, please consider making a contribution to the Oregon Center for Public Policy. The support of people like you allows us to research, advocate, and communicate about the public policies that can advance economic justice in our state. Go to ocpp.org backslash donate and make a contribution today. Again, ocpp.org backslash donate. We also invite you to subscribe to this program. Follow Policy for the People on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And now, back to the show. So one important thing that's taking place right now is the U.S. Trans Survey. And I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners what this survey is. Absolutely. Um, as someone who's, you know, an organization that supports uh, the outreach for this survey and tries to help the United U.S. Trans Survey get filled out, um, this is one of the largest community-led surveys of trans and non-binary people in the U.S. And it documents the lives, the experiences of people who are trans in the U.S. and the U.S. territories. And, you know, it's, it's for folks who are 16 and up. It includes all trans identities. It's been a vital resource for understanding the experiences of trans folks, and especially trans folks of color, um, by state. So what particular need does the U.S. Trans Survey fill? In other words, does, does this survey give us information that is not available elsewhere? This survey in particular, because it's so large, uh, in 2015, I think about 28,000 people took the survey. And so it, you know, it gives us such a important look at not, you know, an individual topic. Um, it covers such a range of topics from housing to employment to uh, school discrimination, you know, all areas of society that folks may participate in. We're really looking at the levels of discrimination that could happen in each area. And so for those of us advocates who are trying to push for social change or uh, look for funding opportunities or uh, pass a public policy, um, this is information that is crucial for us to say, look, here's the problem. And this isn't just, you know, in one area, it's it's nationwide, we have this data and it's from so many people filling it out. Um, and so that gives us a much larger uh, understanding of what what is happening nationally. So you mentioned the last uh, trans survey that was carried out in 2015. So it's been a number of years, but I'm wondering if you can share with us what the main findings of that survey were. 
Yeah, I mean, from from what I've used in my work, um, because it's been useful to us as a social justice organization, you know, there was lots of information about income and employment, um, the workplace experiences of individuals, education, uh, housing and shelter access, public accommodation access. So, you know, equal treatment in businesses or restrooms, police interactions was a part of it from what I can recall. And then we looked at health statistics as well, accessing healthcare and then identity documents, you know, having your ID match uh, across the board for who you identify as. Um, so those were the types of big takeaways were that there was discrimination in all of those areas. Um, the percentages may have differed, but that it was evident in everything I just mentioned that uh, folks were facing high rates of uh, discrimination. And the survey also produced uh, some state level data. And I'm wondering if you can share with us what the 2015 survey revealed about the lives and experiences of trans people who live in Oregon. The most important pieces, as someone who does community education trainings, um, I work with a lot of folks. And what I mentioned earlier around you know, how being pushed out of education settings can impact you throughout other areas of your life. We know that the survey showed us that 83% of students uh, who were either out or perceived as trans at some point in K through 12s experienced some form of harassment. Um, and that was just a massive percentage for us. Um, and so there's been a lot of education and work done in the school systems based off of that data. And that was specific to Oregon. And then it even got concentrated down into whether that was verbal or physical. And so that was really important. We also saw a lot of helpful information around how often folks were experiencing houselessness um, and who had experienced it throughout any point in their lives. And that was really useful when we looked at, you know, what is the Oregon landscape for housing? And, you know, 42% uh, of the houseless population here in Oregon is uh, house is LGBTQ identified. Um, and so I think that was crucial for a lot of the housing activism and work. So um, from the Oregon State Report, you know, the categories I mentioned earlier of the larger survey were just kind of filtered down and we were able to look at our state specifically and folks were able to do work around using that data. Let me focus on a figure you just mentioned that 42% of the people in Oregon who are homeless are LGBTQ identified. Is that, did I hear that right? And if so, can you share with us a little bit about why that is? What, what are the structural factors that lead to this situation? I think there are a lot of layers. Uh, you can think of individuals being at high risk for family rejection and being pushed out of their homes. Um, you have you know high rates of exploitation in shelters or on the streets um, and assault and harassment. And so, and also if you think about going and trying to uh, interview for housing or apply for housing, um, you know, we still have stigma in the ways that people experience accepting their applications. Um, and then the financial and employment stability of individuals um, kind of keeps folks in perpetual states of, of poverty who are trans identified. So there's a lot of reasons why uh, folks are unable to maintain stable housing or are initially pushed out um, onto the streets uh, because of their identities. You work with Basic Rights Oregon. Uh, I wonder if you can share with the listeners a little bit about Basic Rights Oregon and what the organization's involvement is with the U.S. Trans Survey. Yeah, Basic Rights Oregon was formed to provide lived and legal equality for Oregonians who identified within the LGBTQIA2S plus spectrum. And for us, uh, our organization 
works to pass public policy and non-discrimination protections. We also try to do work that allows that policy to be integrated into our everyday lives. So as I mentioned, we do community education trainings. We also do leadership development programs for individuals who want to help their community um, through activism and advocacy. And there's a lot of other ways that we try to do community coalition work and outreach um, to make sure that we are getting the voices of our community informing our work. And so we've we've overlapped with the USTS survey because you know the US Trans Survey gives us information about what's going on in Oregon. It supports some of the things that we've seen in concrete data format, and it allows us to tell the story of the calls that we get every day um, in a different way. As of right now, the last day to fill out the trans survey is December 5th, so it's coming up soon. For Oregonians who are transgender and haven't taken the survey yet, what would you say to them in terms of why they should fill it out? Why is it important? I think it's important because, you know, we want a broad scope of what experiences are, and we want to make sure that the, it represents the diversity of our community. We want the experiences of folks who have face barriers to be visible and that narrative to then propel actions for change. So where can people go to take the survey? Uh, the survey can be found online um, through the U.S. Trans Survey website, www.ustranssurvey.org. And you can take this in English. They also have it available in Spanish. Any last thoughts you want to share with us regarding the 2022 U.S. Trans Survey and the transgender community here in Oregon? The survey is elaborate, and it does focus on lots of different areas, whether that is experiences in employment or healthcare with providers. And so I would encourage our community to take some time out for it. Um, it definitely took me, you know, maybe 60 minutes to do, and that can feel long. And so find somewhere comfortable, you know, have refreshments, maybe do it with a friend and be able to work through it together, it's going to make a big difference and it's going to have a large impact for every person who fills it out. Um, but there is, you know, quite a, there are quite a few questions and, and that's on purpose. That's to gather um, a breadth of information from everyone about different areas of their lives. So that would be some advice I would share would be allocate, you know, at least an hour to be able to sit um, and comfortably fill it out for yourself. And I think the most important part is, you know, all voices count. And this data is going to be crucial for telling our stories um, rather than having other people tell it for us. That was Seth Johnstone, Transgender Justice Program Manager with Basic Rights Oregon, speaking about the importance of increasing the visibility and awareness of the transgender community and the U.S. Trans Survey, which is taking place right now. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Policy for the People. We will see you next time.